we have got um, another, another instance in our series of good news, talking about what the gospel means and what are some of the different implications of the gospel for you and me. And we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Paul is just laying out all these different facets of what the gospel means. In week one, we talked about how the gospel is real, and it's for our personal salvation, right? Week two, we talked about how the gospel means that we have victory over death. Week three, we talked about how it means that we have freedom from sin. All these good news that are encompassed in the one good news of the gospel. And today, we'll get onto another facet of that good news, which is that God gives us new life. So I went uh, kayaking this week, this past week. There I am in my kayak, uh, kayaking along. I, I have uh, meet with another group of preachers. They're called my RIM group. Uh, it stands for Residence in Ministry. And uh, one of the things that we did on our first in-person meeting in over a year was that we knocked the business part out in about an hour and then went kayaking. And it was a lot of fun, man. Sometimes being a Methodist preacher isn't too bad. And uh, we just had a really nice time out uh, near Twin City, Georgia, kayaking. But I'll tell you what, I woke up the next morning having used muscles that I don't frequently use, and I was pretty sore. These, uh, I don't know if you know this, but I haven't made it to the gym in a while, and uh, these arm muscles weren't, weren't doing the greatest. And uh, I'll tell you, the, the older I get and the, the worse shape I get, um, the less it takes for me to wake up sore. And I hear, hear it just gets worse from here on out. Uh, some people might say amen to that. In fact, I talked to Fred this morning and I asked him how he was doing. He said, if it works, it hurts, which is a pretty, pretty common Fredism. And so uh, I hear that that is just what you can expect as, it, as you go along. And I bring this up because when I hear this good news that Paul's been preaching in 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about a resurrection, right? He's talking about this resurrection life of, of what we can expect God to do for us. That we can, can expect a resurrected body. But when I think about having a bodily resurrection, it, it occurs to me that I'm going to want an upgrade, Right? I don't want to be resurrected just to wake up in the morning with that kind of soreness after going kayaking. I don't want to wake up in the morning with the kind of soreness that sometimes I experience just from existing. And so I, I kind of would like some kind of assurance that if God's going to resurrect my body, that it's not going to be like the body I've got now, that it, it's going to be a little better than that. What is this resurrection going to be like? And Paul gets to that in today's portion of 1 Corinthians 15. So we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 35 through 49. But someone will ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body do they come? Fool, what you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you do not sow the body that is to be, but a bare seed, perhaps of wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he has chosen, and to each kind of seed its own body. Not all flesh is alike, 
But there is one flesh for human beings, another for animals, another for birds, and another for fish. There are both heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the heavenly is one thing, and that of the earthly is another. There is one glory of the sun, and another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. Indeed, stars differ from star in glory. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is imperishable. What is raised, or what is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor and is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a physical body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a physical body, there is also a spiritual body. Thus it is written, First the man, Adam, became a living being. The last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the physical, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of the dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It gets complicated in there, all this talk about bodies and images, but um, I'll tell you what, one thing that's helping me to understand this is that uh, Sarah Beth and I just got obsessed with this TV show a little while ago called The Great Pottery Throwdown. Here's one of the contestants throwing a nice pot, and uh, it's a British show, and uh, it's kind of a competition. It's, it's a lot like the Great British Baking Show, except instead of baking cakes, they're making pottery. And oh my gosh, I never knew that watching pottery could be so addictive, but they're throwing stuff at the wheel, and it's just amazing to see these things form, right? They, you just go from this hunk of clay and then they, they just form it into something completely different. And then, after that, they have to take it and fire it for 24 hours in the kiln. And it's this nerve-wracking thing, because you never know. Sometimes, if it's too wet, or if it's too thin, or if it's too thick, it might bust in the kiln. And there are people that, that spend hours upon hours molding and crafting and decorating their, their pots only to throw it in the kiln and have it come out in a million pieces. And it's heartbreaking. And those people, um, you know, they just, they just have this utter devastation on their face. But it's a great show and it's a great process. Uh, but it made me think about how we're kind of like that, right? We're a little bit like that. The Bible compares us to, to lumps of clay that are in the potter's hands. God is working on us so that we're not the same kind of thing as we used to be. And we're not the same kind of thing as we're going to be. And just like you don't look, one of my favorite episodes is they had to make toilets. They had to start with this clay and, and hand make these, these toilets in, in one of the episodes. But you don't look at that lump of clay at the beginning and say, hey, that's a toilet right there. Of course not. You don't look at that lump of clay and say, oh, that sure looks like a beautiful sculpture. It's not a beautiful sculpture at the beginning. But as the potter works the wheel, as the potter forms this clay into a different shape, 
as it goes through the process of firing and drying and painting and decorating and, and fine-tuning, it becomes a beautiful thing. It becomes a beautiful sculpture. Heck, they even made some beautiful toilets. And that's what Paul is saying about you and about me. Right? That's what he's saying the Christian life is like. You don't look at a seed and say, hey, check out this tiny tree. Because it's not a tree when it's a seed. It's a seed. But the seed will become a different thing entirely. And that's what he's saying about us. He's saying a seed, unless you plant a seed and let that seed become not a seed, then it will never grow to become the tree. And he's comparing that to our bodies. Our bodies right now are like the seed of what they will be. Our bodies right now take after Adam, but one day in the resurrection, our bodies will take after Christ. And so... There are, certain, there are certain things that, that, the, that the gospel has been twisted to be. And, and these things don't take into account this new life that's promised. Some people want to preach the gospel as if it's all about sin management. As if the good news of Jesus Christ is that he can help you to sin less. And that's legalism. It's moralism. It's more about keeping up appearances than it is about real inner change. Because the good news of the gospel isn't that God will help you to improve your moral status bit by bit. The, the good news of the gospel is that you get a new life. Similarly, there are people that act like the gospel is all about self-improvement. You got your Joel Osteens on TV. You got your prosperity gospel preachers on TV that act like the good news of the gospel is that God will give you seven steps to live your best life now. Or God will, if you just send me a check for $100, he'll bless you with $1,000 and you can improve yourself. But the gospel isn't about improving on yourself. It's about receiving a new self, a new life from God. There are people who preach the good news of the gospel as if the gospel is an escape. It's about escapism. It's about hunkering down and just getting through this life here until we get to leave this old world behind and go to heaven. But the good news of the gospel is not that we get to leave this old world behind. It's that Jesus is making all things new. The gospel is a gospel of new creation. It's not about sin management or self-improvement or escapism. It is about new creation. It's that God is taking this raw material that has been corrupted by sin and is making something new out of you and making something brand new out of me. And the way we receive that new life is through the Holy Spirit. 
Look at what Paul said in his next letter to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. It says, so if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entrust you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. That's what God is making us into. It reminds me of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost, right? The Holy Spirit took this group of scared, confused individuals who were hanging out in Jerusalem after Jesus had gone, wondering what to do next, and he made them into something entirely different. He made them into a church. That Pentecost day was a watershed moment before pentecost it was the these these people were one thing and after pentecost they were a completely new thing they had received new life through the holy spirit and that's what god says about us it's what paul says that we are going to be that we have this physical body but one day we will have a spiritual body not that this body won't be also physical, but it will, be, it will be animated by the Holy Spirit. That we will be so, our, our spirit and our body and our soul will be so integrated into each other that we won't be different parts anymore, but we will be united in holiness and in purity. It's not that we're going to be improved. We, we don't, we're not going to start out a lump of clay and get made into a prettier lump of clay. It's not like we start out a seed and then end up a bigger seed. It's not about God improving us. It's about God transforming us into someone brand new. So when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we get saved, we become a new creation on the inside. And God promises that in the resurrection someday, we will receive a new body so that our outside will match the new creation that we've been made on the inside. The resurrection body is a part of how we will be made new. But that newness starts right now when we receive a new spirit. God has promised us a total change a total transformation body spirit and mind one day that transformation is going to be complete and will be just like our resurrected savior jesus christ in every way but it starts now it starts with a renewing of our mind it starts with a transformation and new life today you know 
newness can be pretty scary. Sometimes I feel, what if I don't want to be a new creation? What if I just want to stay the same that I am right now? What if I end up being this misshapen lump of clay? What if I go into the kiln of the fires and the trials of this life and it gets too hot and I just shatter under the pressure and I don't turn out okay? New life can be scary. I like being the same. I don't like a bunch of change. But the good news of the gospel is not that just we get to be made new. It's who is making us new. God is the one that's in charge of our transformation. God is the one who's got his hands at the wheel shaping us. And we can trust that God is the master potter who's got us all in his hands. He is perfect, he is holy, and he's working to make us perfect and whole and new. He created us with love, and he gave us a spirit to make us new. He sustains us through that spirit, and he's planning a future where that transformation will be complete, and we will be perfect in him. I can't think of any better news. You know, the other good news of Jesus is that when God looks at you, he doesn't see what you are. He sees what you're going to become. When God looks at you, he doesn't see a lump of clay or an unfinished pot. He doesn't see the cracks and the, and the deformities. He sees the potential and what you're going to be. He sees what he wants to make you. And that's good news to me because more often than not, I feel just like a failure sometimes. Or I feel like I don't measure up. Or I feel like I can't be used by God. But I know that when God looks at me, he doesn't see any of that stuff. What he sees is a beloved child of God. What he sees is the potential of what he wants to transform me into. And he sees the same thing when he looks at you. The gospel isn't about self-improvement. It's not about getting to heaven when we die. Although we are improved from hearing it, and heaven is part of our future. The gospel is about receiving new life from God through the Holy Spirit. And it's about living into that new life and receiving what that new life has for us. So this good news calls us to respond. How are we going to respond to, to this news that we receive a new life? Because so much of me wants to cling to the old life. So much of me wants to resist the change. So much of me wants to keep things the same. But if a seed 
insists on staying the same, the seed doesn't live very long. The seed has to grow roots and grow in order to flourish. If a lump of clay insists on staying the same, the lump of clay never becomes the pot that it's intended to be. The only way we can grow, the only way we can achieve the transformation that Jesus Christ has in mind for us is if we are willing to allow ourselves to be changed. So how are you going to allow Jesus Christ to change you today? Is there something that God has been pulling on your heart that he wants you to do differently that you've been resisting? Is there someone that God has called you to love that you don't want to love? Is there something that you're holding on to that you know doesn't honor God that he's calling you to let go of today? That change is hard. That change can be painful. But the transformation is worth it because the perfect potter has got you in his hands. Let's pray. Jesus, we come to you today knowing that we are not yet what you want us to be. We are in the middle of a transformation. You've given us your spirit. You've made us into new creations. But God, we've got more newness left to go. We look forward to a day when you will provide us with a new body that's perfect, that's free of pain, that's free of limitations. But that day isn't here yet. God, I pray that you will give us the courage to understand that growth demands change. And that the more we resist that change, the more we resist that transformation. Give us the grace to be transformed by the renewing of our minds and to receive the new life that you have in store for us. Bless this church, Father. In your name I pray, amen. So go now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, receiving a new life in Jesus. Amen.